Welcome back, everybody, to the Planet Film Network. I am one of your hosts, Sean Monk. And I'm your other host, TJ Cornwell. And uh, today we're going to do a little bit of supplemental uh, content. Uh, we didn't realize last week that Tuesday, today, is the 4th of July. Uh, so in, in lieu of a live show, we're going to be doing our spoiler review of uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, as well as some, uh, some grades for the other movies as well and we'll see how they stack up at the end um yeah so indiana jones out destiny we saw it on thursday sean uh who who wants to go first with their with their initial thoughts i think for once well not for once this happened many times but i feel like i can't remember the last time we i feel like have been more opposed in our in our yeah. thoughts on a movie um Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah probably um <clears throat> i I guess I'll go first, and uh, I'll say you could go right now. Uh, we posted them at this point, um, you know, last Thursday when the movie came out, um, over on TikTok, and then uh, my review straight out of the theater is up as well, so you can get my immediate thoughts from uh, back when I first saw it. Uh, but just quickly, I think I really enjoyed this movie more so than I thought I was going to. I really tried mm -hmm. to just leave everything at the door. Um, and I think for the most part, I was able to do that for myself. I think there's definitely some things, I'm not saying that it's the best Indiana Jones movie, as we'll talk about in a little bit here. Um, but I do think that it was way better than I was expecting these last few weeks, just with all the conversation and everything. Uh, but there is stuff that I think, you know, I think it's a little overly long, Overall, I think there's some entire sequences that could have probably either been chopped or absolutely trimmed down, uh, but maybe just chopped entirely. Uh, but overall, I was surprised with how moved I was between James Mangold's directing, Harrison Ford's acting, the chemistry that Harrison Ford had with um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge as Helena, I thought really worked for me. Um, possibly, I think in I think in our big rankings we said, or I said, top three companions for me was um, C Henry Jones Sr., Short Round, and then Sala. I think I got to give the edge to, to Helena over mm -hmm. over Sala now. So I think, you know, she's very, very good um, in this movie. Uh, oh, you know what? I totally blanked. Marion was also in there. So Helena firmly, I think, top four of the companions for any of these movies. Um so yeah, just quickly, really, really liked it, but there are definitely some issues that I think are, are totally fair for people to um, be feeling and stuff that I feel as well, and I, I'm excited to get into it all uh, here. What did you think of Indiana Jones 5? Yeah, I uh, came out, and um, I think I, I don't know what expectations I went in with, but mm -hmm. uh, coming out of it, I was just really uh, left underwhelmed i guess um and that has nothing to do with any of the performances you know i thought harrison ford is doing the best he could uh especially at his age uh, mm -hmm. i really enjoyed phoebe waller bridge as well um i liked uh her acting as well as just kind of her uh kind of just kind of the new i guess kind of flavor that she brought to an, uh, a new like you said sidekick that we haven't really seen before mm -hmm. uh, which i thought was really interesting uh, 
I felt as though the the story didn't really do it for me. The the villains unfortunately didn't really do it for me. Even though I thought for sure that you know we're going back to the bread and butter that I said in my review, the Nazis, which are the the probably the best villains in this franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, nothing against Mads Mikkelsen. It's just I just did not feel uh, I did not feel the same sort of threat that I felt either in you know Crusade or uh raiders to be for example i know those yeah. are the two best ones obviously mm-hmm. um or maybe even in temple of doom i guess uh but granted i think that is just because i didn't really buy into the whole uh what we're going after i didn't buy into the dial okay um and i know and i know it's like well did you see what we did in the previous one i said yeah. we talked aliens mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah i understand that um but at the same time, I don't know. That just is more. It was. I think it was more. I lo- enjoy the adventure leading up to that more than I did this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, like you said, it, it's a little long in some places. And I know I told you. I said the person in front of us had, you know, their phone. It said seven oh four. Our show time was at six. It's seven oh four. And I said, oh, you know, another hour. And we yeah. walk out of the theater eight forty five. I was like. Where the what what the hell happened? Uh, yeah. We're in here that long. Um, you know, a little long in some places. Uh maybe some uh characters that don't really need to be or maybe even a, a certain actor that just didn't I don't really know why they were in the movie. Uh yeah. n- really unnecessary okay. um for me. Um but again, I it did hit me with like sort of the nostalgia type stuff, the ending. Well, yeah. maybe not fully earned. It's nice to see. Um, it's nice to see the return of Sal, like you said, um, who doesn't really overstay his welcome at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I just, at the end of the day, I felt a little underwhelmed. Um, again, not really sure what I was looking for again, considering, and I, I, I really could tell, and I'm sure you could tell a lot of people would tell Harrison Ford definitely is, he's definitely old, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it's hard to do maybe everything you want to do. Even like uh, Crystal Skull, you know, he was still doing a decent amount of stuff. He was climbing like said, those boxes you know, like nobody's he was, business. He was climbing those boxes. He was getting his ass beat. That was that was something that was really missing for me from this movie. Was the classic mm-hmm. get your ass beat scene that we did not get, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. There's a few of it. There's some of it in there. There's some like you know big a lot punch of punching. Training. Yeah. Right, but nothing like uh, a lot of you know, big we're punch. fighting for five minutes, six minutes straight. Yeah, you know, no. The shot nothing that rivals the 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 like plane the like Pat Roach, uh, plane oh, scene. Oh yeah, nothing. You know what I mean? That. Yeah. No. Um. But yeah, overall, <laughs> under underwhelmed overall. Um. But really excited to you know talk. And I, you know, I could I I could see myself being talked into a higher. Uh, rating than what i did but as of right now i sit at uh two out of five stars i will go for that as well and then i would say uh well first of all i'll say right now i'm sitting at i originally said a 3.5 out of five Mm -hmm. because i always feel this unwarranted pressure from people i talk to at work about letterbox and everything that i i i am maybe too generous with my ratings yeah so i i I always i sometimes i will overcorrect a little bit and i gave it three and a half on letterbox Mm -hmm. but in the days that have passed here i think it's unfair of me to not give it at least a four 
with how wow. much it's with how much that it's sitting with me and sitting yeah. with me well um more so than i even thought this is post my immediate thoughts um i think it's it's only continued to sit with me even better um which i really wasn't expecting so i i, I would say four out of five for me on this one um if you don't mind spoilers if you're not going to see this movie regardless or if you're gonna see this movie regardless so you don't really care about spoilers keep on watching here for the uh rest of this video if not i would say tab out of here keep it in your continue watching on youtube uh join us back once you've seen indiana jones 5 uh the dial of destiny and uh we are gonna launch into our full spoiler thoughts here kind of jumping all over the place within the movie so you have been warned we are now entering spoiler territory. First off here, guys, I think we're going to jump right into uh, talking about some of the characters, some of the performances, some of the things that we liked about them, maybe some of the things that we didn't like or didn't connect with us. Um, and so let's actually start here with the Wombat herself, Helena Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, kind of jumping a decent amount into the movie once we're finally introduced to her. Um... For me, I loved Phoebe Waller-Bridge in this movie. Mm -hmm. I thought that she was easily, um, not the best part, but I would say the best new addition to this franchise, which, of course, every single Indiana Jones movie is mostly new characters with just Indy and then sometimes Sala or Marion. Um, but I think she easily slipped into this universe, felt real, felt authentic. I liked, first of all, when she's first introduced, because I don't even know why I'm being coy about this stuff because we're in spoilers but when she's first introduced she kind of sneaks into his classroom uh you know you have that great kind of back and forth where he doesn't really recognize her at first because you find out a little bit later it's been about 15 16 17 years um since he's seen her uh so she was just really you know in middle school last time they they spoke to each other mm -hmm. um but then at the bar when they're kind of having their fun back and forth and then she goes, you know, you don't recognize me. And then and then he, you kind of see that spark light up in Harrison's eyes that I thought was really, really good. And I just really loved their dynamic and their chemistry throughout the entire movie of how the kind of dynamic between them kept shifting. And mm -hmm. uh, another character we'll talk about, uh, Ethan Isidore, uh, who plays Teddy. I liked that scene where he was very much... Because uh, Helena, in her own right, is kind of like her own version of Indy with her own sidekick in Teddy. Right. Um, and so I like that Teddy, it says at one point, he's like, hey, I thought that we were, you know, in charge of this stuff. I don't want to be taking orders from, you know, this guy that I don't even know in Indy. Um, and I like that she is telling Teddy, you know, no, I'm still in charge. But really, I think over the course of this movie, it's it's really Helena learning a big lesson in, you know, having worldly perspective, you know, how many times does she cheer? And then Indy has to remind her, like, you're cheering, but I just watched my friend get murdered. Uh, right, you know what yeah. I mean? It, like, it, like you have to understand the severity of stuff that's happening. And sometimes he, he, in that scene particular, really hits the emotional punch to her. Um, but then also sometimes it's, it, it is more sometimes played for laughs in the whole, mm -hmm. the bit that you see from the trailer where he's like, I've been tortured with voodoo shot nine times. Like, mm -hmm. so, but I liked that kind of recurrent theme with the two of them of she is basically indie with no perspective. 
Um, and and I think her her kind of journey of, of gaining perspective, and then at the end realizing how much that she appreciates Indy, uh, and and wanting him to be a part of her life. Uh, which then when we talk about the ending, you know, obviously Indy also has to recognize how much he wants her to be a part of his life, um, which you know he kind of loses focus of. Um, so overall, I really liked Phoebe Waller-Bridge in this, and I really liked her character. But what were your uh, kind of thoughts on uh, on Helena Shaw in this? Yeah, movie? I go back. I go back and forth on the character. Um, like I said earlier, I really liked Phoebe Waller-Bridge in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know she was ha- obviously she was having a lot of fun on screen, and I could definitely see that. And I thought yeah. her and Harrison Ford had some pretty good chemistry. I think where I've kind of fell off with the character was I felt like there was something a little deeper that mm-hmm. we just didn't get. Um, you know, they have like a few conversations here and there, uh, you know, one-on-one talking about uh, her father um, and, you know, what that kind of meant to uh, her to see him kind of uh, tortured by this, you know, this dial and the whole idea of Archimedes and what he was trying to do and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, also we learned that, you know, that she is kind of not a criminal, maybe a criminal, I would um, say she's a criminal. You know, owes money yeah. to, you know, these gangsters and mm-hmm. was bailed out by, you know, by them in a, a prison in South America. Mm-hmm. But we don't really get it. Like, and maybe it's just I'm supposed to accept that that's who she is. But I want to know more why she is that way. Yeah. You know, that, that we, we, we see like one flashback where um, Indy goes to England to meet with her father and she's there. And I thought when we, you know, we saw that it's still pretty early in the movie. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe we'll get a few of these kind of inner cut throughout the movie. Try to, mm-hmm. you know, get more of her past and why she is the way she is now. Yeah. And we just never got that. And I was like, well, why am I like, I care about her, but I also want to care about her more. So give me yeah. a reason to and give me, mm-hmm. give, tell me why, what she's been through, et cetera. Yeah. And I just, I felt very let down by that. Um, maybe, that's fair. I don't know, maybe, Maybe that's me. I was say maybe that's me expecting too much. I don't know. Um, but I would have liked. Movies. I would have liked another one of those flashbacks. Like right. maybe maybe another one where it's just. Actually, yeah. The more I'm say, saying about it, maybe another one where it's now been maybe five years since right. Indy kind of cut off uh, her dad, and uh. and maybe you see an even older Helena really see the the demise and the kind of unraveling of her father. Um, right. that, that Indy, you know, talks about throughout the movie, basically. I, I, I think maybe one more scene along her kind of timeline, I think, I think would have helped. Right. But then again, also, one of my biggest problems is too many scenes. Uh, right. But I it, mean, but the movie is two yeah. and a half hours. Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe cut something down or I don't know. But, um, yeah, overall, like I said, I really like Phoebe Waller-Bridge's, uh, performance. I did like her, her kind of, I liked that she got, and both of these characters got, they both kind of got that... Uh, Raiders moment of you know for example when Indy is explaining the arc to the the FBI guys he's like oh yeah. well you know you take the staff raw the raw you know the staff's probably like you know a few feet tall you put the thing on the top and then it shines on the where the temple of salt or whatever yeah. it is um you know and she has that scene on the boat kind of she might have another one that I'm not recalling mm-hmm. but she has that one on the on the boat with uh Mads Mikkelsen and you know she's going through and she's translating the tablet thing and mm-hmm. you know saying all this stuff and I was like yes I love that and um that is something I really did love about this movie is that they kind of gave her you know I felt like they gave her enough to do in the in those kind of scenarios mm-hmm. um 
as well as maybe you know if they ever wanted to i know they said that it's basically ending with harrison ford but if they ever wanted to do like a you know like a phoebe waller bridge and i don't know some other character like kind of spin short off round thing. i would spin up yeah short, there, oh, uh, short team round. up yep, yep. yeah I, team I would watch that most yeah. definitely I would definitely watch a thing, something with the two of them in it for sure. Mm. I would want. I, I think coming out of this, another reason I like, I just ended up liking her character so much is, like the fact that I would be like, um. You know, I would equally watch a short round spinoff anything mm. as much as I would watch a Helena Shaw one, like because right. I just I just think they made her character so compelling. Now, kind of. I know we said we're going to jump all over, and we kind of truly are, because you just uh, sparked my idea, and I we can talk a little bit about um, the boat sequence and mm-hmm. and Antonio Banderas' role in this movie as well uh, at this point. But um, that scene where she's reading the tablet and translating it, and Indy th- thinks that she that he's been betrayed potentially by her, right. um, and then kind of throughout that scene, you know, you realize, oh no, she's just kind of you know stalling for time um while i liked that scene in a vacuum and i think it's probably one of the scenes like you said that endears us to her the most because it really shows like hey and i know i leaned over to you um i don't know if we've said we saw this movie together on on opening night um i leaned over to you at one point and i said uh you know completely forgot what i said I, I but basically, you know, that scene where she's explaining it to them, uh, I liked it, but at the same time, it just felt like there was too much going on. Like to me, I liked that scene in a vacuum, but it's, it's a place it, it's dump. a big it's a big <laughs> lore dump and exposition yeah. scene that actually in effect ends up going really nowhere. Mm. Um so so to me, as much as I love that scene, to me, whenever I'm thinking to myself, what can I cut? I almost think you cut that entire sequence. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm talking the entire thing. Like, you never even go to go to the boats. You're just mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, the, the part that was in the boat, the little tablet. Because if you take the tablet, and I'm talking about the, the red part, so the actual red tablet right. um, prior to the uh, melting, if you take the red tablet and just yeah. say that that was already found and that's already in a museum, mm-hmm. then you still have the element of, oh, we're going to get this. You can even still have Mickelson hot on their tail. Like uh, maybe you could throw in another location. You know, maybe you have to because um, another plot that I really want to talk about is this whole framed for murder thing. Um, maybe that's a way to make that plot point a little more relevant is maybe you say, oh, God, we got to get this tablet, but it's at the Met. Like, we got to go back to New York as I'm wanted for murder. And then maybe the intrigue is just you have a little sequence where Indy's trying to avoid the police, you know what I mean? Because he has to go back to New York or something like that. Just thinking off the top of my head, because really, you spend about five minutes on the boat, and obviously also on Antonio Banderas' boat, that's where we get one of the most excellent scenes and dialogue exchanges in this movie about what would you do if you could go back in time and Indy really lays the hammer down of I would tell my son not to enlist yeah absolutely (laughs) um but you know you could you can find another setting for that conversation Mm -hmm. to take place and so then really it's you have you have 
five minutes on the boat with Antonio Banderas, 10 minute diving sequence, then another eight to nine minutes of the fake out is Helena going to work with uh, Mads Mikkelsen now. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they're kind of escape. And they're like, oh, there we go. Now they're going to be heading over to Alexandria while we're heading to Sicily. Mm -hmm. But then at the end of it, he just looks down the binoculars and just goes, oh, they're, they're heading, heading east. Or they're heading west, not east. Yeah. So it's like that entire segment really kind of does nothing to the movie. And that that's right. like we're talking about 25 minutes of mm -hmm. screen time. If you cut that entire portion – that's like 25 minutes that I think you really could have used uh, gone from this movie. Um, but that being said, there's there's a lot of great stuff within there that I really liked. But that's kind of the main negative that I keep coming back to is how much kind of extra stuff just mm -hmm. to have some more moments. You know what I mean? Like I felt like they really wanted to pack this movie full of set pieces and moments that would stick with you. And I think in a vacuum, like I said, a lot of this stuff does work and works very, very well. Right. Um, but then when you look at it kind of in the broader picture of the plot and the story of the movie, I think a lot of it kind of could have been cleaned up. But um, what were your thoughts kind of on the overall boat stuff uh, and Antonio Banderas, whatever you want to talk about with that? Yeah, well, I went to the <laughs> I went to the bathroom when they were doing that dive scene. Uh, so yeah. I didn't miss that. I saw, you know, when the eels come out and all that stuff. So I don't really know what happened from that point on to when uh, Mads Mikkelsen gets on the boat. Um, yeah, basically. You told me it was like they just like show. It's like they see the boat coming and then they're there. Yeah, because yeah. when you left, he had already grabbed the box from the ship. They were just right, all, yeah. they were just trying to get back up. And all that happens okay. is Indy's line gets caught for like four seconds. Course, yeah. And then they like tug on it. And then he's like, yeah. all right, let's go. And then they go up yeah. to the surface and the Nazis are on the boat. So that's that's literally all that you missed. Yeah, like you said, I like I really liked the uh, conversation that uh, Helena and Indy have uh, about you know going you know going back you know Indy talking to his son and how the relationship um, with him and Marion kind of broke down yeah uh, due to uh, his son dying, um, which we'll talk about in a second, just for real quick. Uh, talking about real quick, uh, Ronaldo. Antonio Banderas' character. Oh, yeah. Not really sure why he's kind of in this movie. Um, you know, I think when you cast somebody as, a, you know, Antonio Banderas, I assume he would be in it more than he is. Um, yeah. And he's just not. Uh, does he kind of fit well? Yes. You know, he's cracking jokes, and, you know, clearly him and Indy have a history. Um, but I, I just and, – and he's just kind of brutally murdered as a, like – it's almost like a um, – they try to pull the last crusade kind of, you know, I'm going to make you do this thing by shooting the person that you really like. But yeah, this one doesn't have at the point in last crusade, we've built this relationship with Sean Connery and Harrison Ford. Yeah. Of like, Oh, they you know, they are obviously, you know, their father and son and they do love each other, but they're also kind of at an impasse. Yeah. Um, and in this, it's like, well, here's this character that, you know, hey, Indy, Indy's known him for a while. But, uh, by the way, we're just going to just kill him. Like, there, there's no, like, emotional attachment that I had to his character whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so that does really suck. 
but like i said the kind of helena explaining everything that was cool the the dynamite you know kind of her holding it in her pocket and all that that was you know that was pretty cool um but yeah i i agree with you maybe you know just what it leads up to where you know he's looking down the, in the binoculars and says oh they're going west all right well i guess we did yeah we didn't need to you know dupe him or anything yeah um and that's like a 10 minute dupe right yeah (laughs) yeah um but just going back to uh mutt uh indy's son killed him off screen yeah which we actually did see we we knew that earlier because i think one of the cia agents mentioned it was on the news report when it said that local professor you know uh Henry Jones was, you know, after he right. lost his, how the news n- knew that or whatever, mm-hmm. but they were like, you know, yeah. this is after, you know, he's lost his son recently <laughs> and which led to his divorce. It's like, okay. Right. Uh, what did you just real quick? Like, what do you think about, do you think, well, one, I guess, do you think if Shia LaBeouf was still in good standing that they would have brought him back? Uh, um, okay. what, what are your, what's your opinion on them kind of saying, that he, you know, that he died. I, I personally, I don't think they needed to do that. I think they mm-hmm. could have just said, "Oh, he's, you know, somewhere. He doesn't need to be dead." Mm-hmm. You know, you can still have a, a stake wedged in between uh, Mary, Marion, and Indy in a different way. It doesn't have to be that their son died. I want to. I'm going to answer your question by throwing you a different okay. question okay. to think to think on. Uh, and that is uh, one criticism I have seen of this is what's the other Harrison Ford movie where you're reintroduced to the character after the loss of their son and leading to him being separated um, with the person yeah. uh, with, with the love of his life. Uh, obviously, Marion in this and Leia in The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Difference is that Mutt is dead. Ben is lost and Han is running from that. He's running from a reconciliation with his son. You know, he, Han chose to, you know, obviously Ben was, was turned, you know, and, and turned to the dark side and everything, but Han chose to then also turn and run uh, away from his marriage, away from his responsibilities, back to his old life, everything like that. Um, Whereas Indy, I think a big difference between those two storylines, and, and I don't, I get where people on the baseline are coming from of, oh, are, these are very similar to each other. But I really think the key difference is that Mutt is dead. And, and that it's, it's not like Indy went, oh, I got into a fight with my son and I've been avoiding him. You know, it's, it's I didn't know my son for the first 20 years of his life. Right. Uh, and, and then I only really got, you know, what I'm doing the rough math, 15 to 20 years with him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, probably closer to 15. Um, and I think and then he was taken away, you know, without without any any uh, interference by Indy or Marion on that front. Uh, it was just, you know, what a lot of people went through back then of, you know, rebellious, you know, children being like well i'm gonna enlist and you know Mm -hmm. you see that all the time in different movies um whether that's the korean war or the vietnam war um and i i think it really worked well for this because and and i really just connected with it on that deeper level to the point where i didn't even think 
about Han and Ben. Obviously, I did think about Han and Leia versus mm-hmm. Indy and Marion because that's, you know, the I, I how can you watch the end of this movie and not have the thought, oh, man, I wish that that could have happened with Carrie. Um, which, obviously, they did. I mean, they did reconcile and they did mm-hmm. hug and everything and have their moments in The Force Awakens. But um, I didn't even think about the, you know, Kylo Ren of it all. Um, just because I thought it was so different. I, I really didn't even see that comparison in my head. And to touch on the first part of your question of just how did it make me feel and, and do you think he needed to die for the storyline, I just think it really was one of the things that motivated why Indy is so down on himself. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I think they they could have done the easy Luke Skywalker thing um, where it's, you know, oh, I failed for this particular reason, so now I'm shutting myself off from everybody. Indy is very different from that, and he starts the movie admitting to Helena, saying, I I want Marion back. I, you know, I, I couldn't console my wife, and so, you know, she left me. And, and it's because I have this thing that's broken inside of me because of the loss of my son that I was helpless to, to deal with my wife's pain. Um, and so I thought that all of that worked really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I thought, you know, to, to answer the other part, if Shia LaBeouf was still in good standings, do I think he would be in this? I don't think so, only because even if he did a lot to repair his other relationships or his image, which he has done, uh, you know, to a certain extent and, and different things going on with him right now. But um, I think at the heart of it, like Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford sound like they really do not like that guy. <laughs> so yeah, didn't he like say like, I think Spielberg went a little bit too far in Harrison Ford. <laughs> like shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and he said, he said something like, you know, I actually forget if this was Ford or Spielberg, but one of them was, was basically like, you know, I think sometimes an actor's job is to, oh yeah, they were like, um, cause there was some paparazzi picture and Steven Spielberg said to him like, Hey, maybe when you're shooting one of my movies, don't pick your nose in public. Like, cause cause, like there was these paparazzi (laughs) photos where he's just like, and they're just like, you know, kind of like conduct yourself a little bit better. And I right. think so. I think just those two men in particular, I think, have a, had a very older Hollywood approach of like, dude, like, get, like if you're going to be a fucking movie star, like get your shit together. Like, I don't want to, you know, have to be worrying about I mean, you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but who knows? I mean, it's it's right. not like Steven Spielberg directed this movie. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if he if if he was in a very different reasons for their kind of careers declining. But if he was in like a Brendan Fraser or Ki Hugh Kwan, like resurgence, uh, maybe, but at the same time, it's like they didn't, ha- they didn't have time to put Ki Hugh Kwan in this. So I-, I think they really just did what they thought was going to, you know, service the story. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, uh what do you want to ne- talk about next? Next person, actually next character I would really like to talk yeah. about is, uh, Mads Mikkelsen is, uh, Dr. yes. Um, yeah. I want to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, you know, and this will kind of this will probably lead us into a discussion, maybe a quick discussion about the intro. Um, okay, and that, yeah, and that. But um, for me, it was just, and again, I think it might just come down to the dial. Mm-hmm. Uh, is I just didn't feel as though he was uh, very 
very menacing i guess i don't know i didn't i don't i was not a fan and i and i maybe this isn't even a, a legit criticism because it's like this in literally every movie maybe except for crystal skull i guess yeah where the main villain is not really doing any of the attacking or anything you know mm-hmm. like Voller the whole time has these two henchmen that are running around, but that's literally how it is in every single movie, except yeah. for Kate Blanchett, really. And mm-hmm. even she is henchmen, but she, you know, she's still doing fighting and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's not just that. Maybe it just, I don't know. I just didn't feel a sense of uh, impending doom or anything from, from him. And I thought the way that his, and again, no fault of his, but like, I thought that the, his, his ending was a little just kind of, you know, oh well, there he goes. Like there was no kind of. I was expecting a, a more. Intimate kind of between him and Indy set piece or something to kind of end the movie. And yeah, it just really wasn't that. Um. Uh, you know, I thought, he was interesting at the beginning. I, I will say that on the train and, uh, you know, however many years prior to. Current. It's supposed to be twenty five years before. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was also just very confused on how he was in the position he was in, uh, because I said to you when, you know, he kind of reveals himself to the CIA, I guess. And they're like, he's going under the name of like, he's a, he's a professor from university of Alabama. And then Mm -hmm. like he turns and the CIA is like, Oh my God. I'm like, but I'm like, wait a minute. They, they don't they really don't know because at the beginning it seems kind of like that they know he's a nazi or he yeah. was a nazi and that they're just like working with him you know because you know usa hiring nazi scientists etc all that stuff mm-hmm. so i figured that's what it was but i just got the vibe that they really didn't know that he was a nazi and i'm like well how the fuck did you not know he was a nazi mm-hmm. like, i think i think that too and i, and I think yeah. you're right i think the movie yeah. doesn't really address that at all Mm-hmm. Uh, and leaves you with those questions. But I, th- I think the idea, and I said this to you there, is like, I think the idea is like the kind of dissemination of power or of uh, not, of uh, information yeah. that, um, like, yeah, when NASA recruited him, they, well, well, then again, I'm just saying, whoever recruited the people for Project Paperclip, which is what it was called, I don't know if necessary. I think that sometimes they didn't know that they were Nazis. Like, I I think that that information was hidden because when he says that his name is, you know, Schmidt and he's from, you know, he's a professor at the University of Alabama, um, I think that is, like, almost his cover story. You know what I mean? Like, and so I think a lot of people uh, in America just saw these people and just only knew of their new identity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know... Maybe people higher up at the CIA did know that he was a Nazi, but um, what's her name? Uh, who else want to say? Uh, Seanette uh, Renee Wilson. Yeah. As Mason, um, who's a, a character in the earlier parts of the movie, um, who plays kind of the main on the ground CIA agent uh, that's kind of embedded with Mads Mikkelsen mm-hmm. and kind of his crew at the beginning. Um, she definitely doesn't know that he's a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like maybe her boss does, you know, I, I think it was just maybe one of those things, but I will give you the movie makes no mention of it. So it, it's yeah. kind of like, well, who knows that he's a Nazi? Does, does, uh, another person we haven't talked about yet, Boyd Holbrook, uh, as Kleber, uh, like, does he know that he's a Nazi, which at the end of the movie, it, it kind of 
shows yeah. uh yeah pretty sure he knew <laughs> yeah uh he's putting on the uniform um just real really, quick one, yeah go for it uh one thing i will say because i feel like i've been pretty negative on his character uh mm-hmm. one moment that i did think i thought at the beginning where i was like oh okay this guy you know he's i i when he's talking to the waiter at the hotel and that whole conversation yes that, that was great was like whoa okay then i was like okay maybe we got something here yeah um you know i think he says like just so you know, like, you didn't win the war. Hitler just lost. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. Um, and then I also thought it was interesting that I thought for sure it was going to be like, oh, I'm going to go back and, you know, tell, you know, Hitler and tell everybody that, like, oh, this is how you win. But he's like, no, I'm going to go back and I'm going to win. You know? Yeah. I'm not going to go back and tell Hitler. I'm going to win it and then mm-hmm. take all the credit. And all. I was, so I thought that was a little, that was more interesting, too. Because usually yeah. I feel like it's portrayed as, like, uh, not that – uh, the higher ups and in, in you know in the Nazis didn't have you know their own aspirations or something, but it's always portrayed as like I'm gonna go back to the Fuhrer and give him this information so he can win. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I think um, touching on it on it with uh, Voler, uh, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Doctor yeah. Doctor Voler. Um, I I for me the scene with the um, Gosh, what is that? The hotel worker. What do you call that? Like the room service guy? The waiter? Uh, yeah, whatever you want to call that. I forget the name of it. But um, I was going to say bellhop, but that's like luggage. Um, the room service guy. I thought that scene was incredible uh, in building up Voller's menace and kind of just the way that he's kind of so kind of uh, dismissive of humanity and of like human life and just not really caring and just almost like a like the whole like oh playing with your food type thing uh type of villain you know that we've seen a a bunch before um and that really worked for me i mean for me that scene was great would i have liked more scenes specifically like that yeah i would have um but like another one that really really worked for me um because i guess i'll say too i for me i think this is probably I don't know. I think I think he's my favorite villain since Belloc. Mm-hmm. Like, sec, I would say like maybe second best villain. Right. So, for me, Doctor Voler, I really really liked um, everything with the waiter. Everything later on at the kind of auction. Um, mm-hmm. I liked their kind of banter back and forth uh, with him and Indy, but. I do agree with you. I think I would have liked a more... And obviously, they do have a lot of interaction on the plane uh, in the third act of the movie. Um, you know, they're kind of yelling at each other and arguing back and forth kind of the whole time. Um, but like you said, I would have liked to at least have Indy have a more direct impact on his death. But also, then again, I feel like that's every single Indiana Jones movie. Indy never really does have a direct impact right, on yeah. the deck, except maybe <laughs> Temple of Doom. Yeah. Um, so I kind of liked the idea, you know, that like the other movies, he's kind of consumed, Voler, that is, is kind of consumed by the thing that, you know, he's always um, gone after. And for me, I think that moment did work where you just see, kind of for the first time in an Indiana Jones movie, because... You know, obviously, Belloc and Tote and all them have no time to react. Uh, Donovan has no time to react to what's happening to him. Um, 
uh, Spelko has no time to react to her brain getting exploded. Uh, but I liked that Vol uh, Voler did have that time. He had that like minute to himself of just the absolute failure on his face. I thought I really felt that and I really liked that um, being a part of the movie. But at that same token, I do think I would have liked him to actually be taken out as a more direct result of uh, of his actions. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I would have liked it to be maybe that they do turn the plane around and they try to get back through, but then maybe something like that doesn't work. Or uh, maybe even go further and say that Voler gets out of the plane. Maybe he tries to take the original dial from Archimedes or something, and then maybe he's literally killed by the past and, and maybe you know, he's killed in the moment that Archimedes mm. is supposed to be killed instead of Archimedes or something, you know, something like that. But I do, I, I did like his death, but I do agree with you that it's like, he, they just kind of, the plane just kind of crashed. <laughs> and right. it was just like, you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. I, I liked what it meant for the story, but I do think it was a little bit of the, the least showy death um, mm -hmm of any of the indie villains just because it was just kind of so matter of fact, it was just like, yeah, live with your failure. You're about to crash into the side of a, a, a hill. <laughs> and that's exact. But then I will say when they show his body, obviously it's, it's very right there with all the other indie villains where he is just absolutely scorched. Um, mm -hmm. you know, he looks like Anakin Skywalker. Um, but, but I, I did like all that. And I really liked Mads Mikkelsen in this role. Um, Let's talk a little bit overall about um, the kind of three structures of the movie now. Um, or actually, one character I want to I touch on specifically before we do move on is uh, Ethan Isidore as Teddy. Mm -hmm. uh, before we kind of go and, and finish up by just talking about the movie overall. Um, what, what did you... How did you... How did Teddy hit you in this? Is he... Was he a character that you enjoyed being in this movie? I know I've seen a lot of people kind of split on this, um, that they thought, you know, I've seen people saying, you know, he avoided every pitfall of young actors and he wasn't annoying all to, oh my God, he was the most annoying thing in the movie. Um, so like, where do you kind of fall on that and, and just kind of Teddy's overall presence? Uh, yeah, I don't think he's like better than Short Round in any yeah. way, but uh, I, I didn't find myself being like annoyed with him or anything. I thought him and... Um, when him and Phoebe Waller-Bridge are going back and forth, you know, I thought that was a, there was a good relationship there. Um, we did get a little kind of background on him as well. Um, I don't know if the, you only get like a little bit of the whole kind of plane thing with flying and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, we get it when, you know, Indy first arrives in uh, whatever, I forget what country or what city it was at the, uh, I think hotel. it was Morocco. I think that Morocco. Was. Yeah. You know, he's, like, flying the plane, and it looks like there's, like, a, a pilot that's, like, on a layover, and he's, like, telling him, oh, you got to, you know, do the thing with the wings and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we see that, and then we don't see it again until, like, close to the very end. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was kind of, it was, I, I would say I enjoyed that kind of setup. I do wish we had a little bit more of the whole flying thing um, and him kind of, you know, getting to that point. Uh, but no, I, I thought he was, you know, he was fine. I, I didn't, I wasn't like annoyed or anything. I was like, will this kid shut up or anything? Um, I'm trying to think, like, I'm trying to think of like all the moments he had. 
uh, you know, there's I... some comedic moments during the chase scenes and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, he was he was fine. I'll I'll say he was fine. <laughs> yeah, I I thought he was fine too. I mean, I definitely. Yeah liked him in the movie like and i really mm. liked his dynamic with uh phoebe waller bridge with with helena um i i thought it was earned i thought i believed that these two characters have kind of have each other's backs right. um and i think that's important just like with short round like when he just shows up it's just like okay i've never met this character before but i believe if indy trusts him i trust him uh you know what i mean and i and i think uh I think that kind of goes a long way, and I, I think Teddy has a little bit of that aspect as well. Although, I do agree. I, I think, you know, short round, you know, I, he could drive, and he could do a lot of stuff, and he was a very capable person. Um, but I, I think that even even the director and the writers kind of knew, okay, this guy's only been able to fly a plane, you know, so well. So I think that's kind of why at the end of the movie they have that, like, other pilot wake up. To like fly them back, um, which which I did thought I did think that, that was, was pretty so funny. Um, so like, where the fuck did this guy? Come yeah, he's from? just asleep in the back. They like kind of played off as like, a, oh, is there a Nazi in there or something? Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of like it's out of the. Yeah. yeah, you just see like the back of his head at first, and he's just unless like, he was a Nazi. You know, that whole base was Nazis, so maybe he was a Nazi. Yeah, that's and, what I mean. I don't know if it was yeah. like, was he a Nazi German, or or was so. or was he just a guy that was just you know, st- stuck there or something. I don't know. But, yeah. um, yeah, so I like Teddy overall, but, um, let's kind of shift focus here to, to wrap up or to not really end things, but let's just shift focus here to the movie overall. Um, and oh, throughout wait, wait, this wait, wait. real quick, we got to talk, we didn't get into it, but we got to talk about the, the intro. Oh, Toby that's what Jones I was just about to say. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> we're going to, I'm going to move over to kind of the, again, Biggest issue with the movie, I think, a little too overstuffed, a little too long. So let's yeah. get into the five acts of this movie, because uh, there really kind of is truly five acts to this yeah. movie. Um, so let's talk uh, about the prologue. Let's let's yeah. talk about the opening, uh, the the uh, noose, the explosion, the Nazis, the kind of um, you know mm-hmm. him infiltrating it, the de aging, <laughs> obviously. Uh, and then the train sequence. So, so what what were your kind of overall thoughts on that stuff? And if you want to start with the de aging, and get that out of the way and talk about yeah, let's start what, with that. What your uh, thoughts were? The best it looked, I think, was that one shot from the trailer, and that was it. Um, and Where I they agree first with take you. the bag off the head. Yeah, and I agree with you because I remember the trailer. I was like, holy crap, that looks really good. And yeah. then in the movie, I was kind of like, man, maybe not that good. And it really suffers during action and stuff like that. You know, it's really hard. It's got to be terribly hard to get that tracking all correct and look right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing was, I don't know if he was doing. Did they say Harrison go do what you would sound like forty years ago? It felt definitely your, uneven. It was like I don't know if it was like computer generated or like something was helping with his voice or if he was doing an impression or but it just did not work the voice i was like you're better off just having him sound old <laughs> yeah like it, it was just very like and even even like that i was like i don't even i was like i don't even think that's what he sounded like in like raiders or crusade or anything like that <laughs> i was like i just don't that voice just doesn't match it's a little too grout grout gravelly like it, yeah it, i don't know 
What about I you? think I, I think for me, um, I, I turned to you and I said that for me, like when it, when he's not looking at the camera, like when you can't see the right. eyes, I think it look it looked exceptional, and I do think it's kind of one step forward, two steps back in the sense of like you look at the first Ant Man movie, which is coming up on a decade old, um, and you see Michael Douglas and. You know, there's people that still will say that it's never looked better than it did in that first opening scene in Ant-Man with Michael Douglas. And I still think, like I said, that that effect is now nine years old. And I still mm-hmm. think that that looks phenomenal there. But then I think it's double-edged sword of the tech keeps getting better to de-age these people. But also the demands keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like you said, mm-hmm. this is not just, oh, we need this we want a conversation with Hank Pym, Agent Carter, and Howard Stark. So we need to make all these ages work for this conversation. Um, same also, another one that I think a lot of people agree on looks fantastic is um, Kurt Russell in Guardians 2. And then I think the closest example to this one is Captain Marvel with Nick Fury. I think, um, yeah, it even looked good in uh, Secret Invasion Episode 2. Yeah, in Secret Invasion Episode yeah. 2, I thought it looked really good on, on, on that as well. Also, that's the second time that Sam Jackson has been de-aged in that mm-hmm. capacity, so, you know, they can always work on that more. This is really the first time that Lucasfilm, for sure, but has tried to de-age Harrison Ford, and that does kind of go into it because I think the Michael Douglas one, you know, he's been de-aged in uh, everything but Ant-Man 3, I believe. Um and I think that they just keep working on it and it can keep getting better. This is their first time out de-aging Harrison Ford. And it was for a 25-minute uninterrupted action sequence where he is the main person you're following for all 25 minutes directly on camera. Like, it, it's one of the most... Because even Nick Fury was for the entire movie of Captain Marvel, but the movie wasn't called Nick Fury you know what I mean? The, like he was this—he was a secondary main character. Um, this is the main character of your film for you know 25, 30 minutes almost, um, being fully de-aged, and I think it really showed. And I just don't think it was there. And I don't really know what you would do to supplement it. I don't really right, know yeah. what other direction you could go um, with it overall. But uh, yeah, I think. It didn't ruin the sequence for me, which is, I think, what a lot of people were saying. I also saw a lot of people saying, you know, some people that were really harsh on the movie saying, oh, the prologue is the best part of the movie. Or, oh, the prologue's the only re- the only thing worth seeing. Uh, I didn't find that to be true at all. I-, I don't even think that the prologue is the best part of the movie. Um, but that being said, you know, as much as they kind of could attain it i i think it did feel like a classic indiana jones adventure and you know there are scenes where the train is going by and you can clearly tell that indy's a little cgi guy you know jumping from car to car and it's like and and it's like i see people being like see it's not the magic isn't there and i'm like yeah, but you can't film. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean, though. Is like you can't you can't drag Harrison Ford behind a truck like you used to. Yeah. You're not legally able to in Hollywood. And he, you know, he got you know injured I mean? it's on like, this movie. He got he? injured on this yeah. movie. Yeah, he broke his leg. Um, <laughs> like that. That's what I mean. Is is it's just so 
when when I hear people say that, like, it just doesn't feel like it used to. Because it's not made like it used to be. Yeah. Because you can't do that. He's First of all, A, your actor is literally 80 years old. Mm-hmm. Second of all, you can't film stunts like that in Hollywood anymore. You know, if you, if you have a train top sequence, you're not going to be able to film that on a real train with your actual actors on top of the train. Uh, unless it's Tom Cruise. Absolutely. But even <laughs> that, it's like, you know, they do everything as humanly possible uh, or they do everything humanly possible to keep it as safe as possible f- when they're filming those scenes for like Mission Impossible. And also it's like Mission Impossible is built around scenes like that. Oh, so that's yeah. why they can look like that. This is just one part of one segment of the movie um, that is a movie that has like nine or ten action sequences, mm-hmm. which is is a lot. Uh, like th- there is a lot of stuff in this movie. Um, but overall, I, I did really like the prologue. Uh, like I said, it didn't take me out of it, but, you know, it was noticeably not the best. Uh, and the voice thing, too, it, it, it felt like sometimes Harrison Ford was trying to do his best approximation of his old voice um, mm-hmm. or his younger voice. But then sometimes it just sounded like 80-year-old Harrison Ford, like entirely. Right. Um, and again, I don't really know. That's not Harrison, Fo- Harrison Ford's fault. I just think that they were really pushing the bounds of kind of what's possible right now with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I see people out there, too, going, they shouldn't have used the aging. They should have used deep fake. The problem is, is that <laughs> whether it's a CGI de-aged face on a mm-hmm. different act on a stunt actor's body or it's a deep fake on a stunt actor's body. I got news for you, man. The, the, that body is getting replaced with a CGI body if you're doing a train heist in the middle of the night running over the top from car to car on an exploding giant, you know, machine turret anti-aircraft gun. Like, it, it's not gonna... Yeah. The people that are like, they should have used deepfake. This is not Luke Skywalker standing still in a soundstage, you know, in the volume. Yeah, the this is a humongous CGI fest to begin with. You know, the, the castle is exploding around him. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like in Last Crusade when, you know, him and his dad were breaking out of the castle. They burned a room and mm-hmm. broke through a window. It wasn't like the, the castle was exploding around them. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels different because I think filmmaking is just different. And I don't know. that It's not really anybody's fault. It's just you can't really expect things to look like they did back then. Um Anything left? Anything else in the prologue, or do you want to you want to head over a little bit further up to uh, New York City? Uh, no, I think you know it was for me. It was you know enjoyable, but um, you know I wouldn't say it was probably the best part of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that I really didn't understand. The people that were like, the the prologue is the only decent thing worth seeing in the movie. I'm like, I don't know what movie you were watching, because um, I, I thought it was fun, but it's just mm-hmm. like you know I don't know. Uh, but let's talk about it. So prologue ends, um, and then we boop, we catch back up with the modern day Indy wakes up in his apartment. The Beatles' magical mystery tour is being blasted by his downstairs neighbor. Um, you get a kind of fun scene with him being the old man of you know banging on his door, telling him to turn the radio down. Uh, 
we get Professor Jones in his uh, habitat. He's no longer, I believe, in the previous movies, he was in Chicago um, there. And then, obviously, he changed his teaching job in Crystal Skull. Uh, so now he's working at Hunter College in New York City. It's also uh, Moon Day. It's fresh off of the moon landing. And, you know, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, all of them are going to be doing the parade through New York City. Um, and then we kind of meet Helena. We're introduced to her. We're introduced to Voller and the Nazis and everything. And that basically results in an all-out uh, chase throughout the city on horseback uh, in, in a car on a motorcycle. Kind of a classic Indiana Jones chase in kind of a public setting. But a setting that we've never seen before uh, with New York City. So what were your kind of thoughts on this whole chase? Uh, did it work for you? What were some of your favorite stuff? Uh, or did you have any issues with it? Um, yeah, I'd say the, it did work for me, um, for, you know, a decent part. There's again, going, just going back to the edge real quick. There's some parts when he's riding on the horse throughout the city that he is kind of, it looked like yeah. they kind of, the like head replacement. Yeah. The head yeah, replacement. He's, didn't he's look not great. actually on the horse. Um, that in the trailer looked not great and it didn't look right here. Either. Yeah. Um, I liked the introduction to, people Waterbridge's character i liked all that i liked their kind of showing him the di or showing her the dial in the in the archive i thought the the mass killing was a bit much i don't know why mm -hmm. we had to shoot all those civilians yeah um that was that was a little that was a little too much for me um but i liked the kind of you know kidnapping him throwing him in the back of the truck driving throughout the city uh the hell no we won't go that was great i think there was a, a reference to the i like ike uh, I believe in there somewhere as well. Yeah, I think somebody had it on a sign, but then the big Ike reference is not until the end of the movie. Oh, the end of the movie. Yeah, which we'll, which we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, no, I had, a, I had a good time with that, I'd say. Um, mm -hmm. Again, just a little bit less on the whole... I don't know. I, I guess I get they're Nazis, but I, I don't know. That whole kind of just like shooting three professors in the university was a bit... Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> a bit much. Yeah, it was like... it was. I think it was two professors and then his secretary his, yeah, because yeah, yeah. because his secretary is the one at the end of that scene that he goes up and actually like holds her like hand and like you mm -hmm. know like has has a little bit of a moment with her um but i don't know if i'm just like a monster or what but i've seen a couple people saying how much the kind of civilian deaths in this uh really like was a little bit too much for them and i think that's totally fair for me i was kind of i was <laughs> this is like awful but I was kind of pleasantly surprised that a Lucasfilm or Disney production uh, would still be willing to 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 do something like that in a movie. Mm. Um, so I, I thought that was good. But also it's like, for me, it wasn't really worse than anything we've seen in like a Captain America movie. You know what I mean? Like we've seen, you know, civilian deaths in, in Winter Soldier and Civil War and a bunch of other different things. Um, but also I, I do get the fact that like seeing us seeing people just randomly gunned down in something like Andor or something like, you know, Rogue One uh, is different when it's, you know, New York City in, in you know, mm -hmm. what, not modern day, but, you know, relatively, you know, normal setting. Mm -hmm. um, so it feels like real people, you know. But uh, I really like the New York sequence. I absolutely saw, you know, some of the issues with the kind of head replacement, particularly in the bright, bright sunlight of the the 
outdoor sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once it goes down into the subway, I thought that that was really, really fun and inventive um, that he took the horse down into the subway and that he was being chased by Boyd Holbrook's character. Um, and then he finally got away from him just because, you know, the horse can go on different terrain and the motorcycle had to stop. And I, I thought that was really interesting. And then kind of having the near miss with the train, it, it just was like classic Indiana Jones moments for me that I thought really, really worked. Um, but yeah, overall, I really like the New York, um, the New York segments there. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about, uh, Morocco. So now we're a, a little bit further along here. Um, we have, uh, you know, Sala going to him, you know, Indy kind of making the, the decision that he's going to have to go after Helena, uh, to get this dial back, uh, because, you know, he doesn't want to falling into the wrong hands, obviously, because he may not believe in its properties, but, you know, as he says multiple times throughout this movie, he doesn't really know what he believes, uh, as much as how, how much he believes in it. Um, so you have Sala kind of getting him ready to go, uh, on the plane and he, you know, he goes, you know, I also brought my passport if you want me to bring me along. Uh, and he's like, <laughs> you know, Sala, I need to do this my own. Uh, and then we just get absolutely classic Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones look with bringing back my favorite look, uh, from the last crusade, which is the classic indie look, but with a necktie, um, and his little satchel, uh, I thought was was fantastic when he when he showed up in that Moroccan hotel and gets off the elevator and he's just got the full get up with the leather jacket and the necktie. I was just like, man, this guy is back. Like when he, I, I just loved it. Uh, but then that leads into meeting Teddy, going through everything into they're called tuk tuks, uh, which are the little three wheeled car carts kind of uh, motorcycle things that they were all you know chasing each other in. Um, so what were your thoughts on kind of overall Morocco meeting Teddy kind of dealing with all that? And then the, uh, that tuck, tuck kind of car chase sequence, which again, I liked that sequence, but I did feel like it went on a little long. Um, yeah, I agree with the chase sequence. I definitely felt like it, it stayed its welcome a little bit too long. Um, and again, you kind of see, like I said, the age of Harrison Ford, the Mm -hmm. whole kind of going back you know going back and forth the cars and you know those quick kind of cuts to like yeah. kind of hide that it's probably it's not him you know going mm-hmm. doing all that stuff <clears throat> um i love that that scene at the airport uh with between india and Sala. i thought that was great um and again john reese davies not in this movie much but when he is i thought he does a really good job um but yeah i i would say like again i didn't dislike anything about uh the chase scene in morocco i thought the whole kind of being on that cart was a little goofy if i'm being honest but um uh, really okay yeah i didn't dislike anything about mm-hmm. the chase it was just like you said just a little a little too long you know yeah. it felt like we were there for it literally felt like an hour like a half an hour or something yeah <laughs> like it was very long and i think in <laughs> reality it was like 20 22 minutes like i yeah. mean that's that's the thing is like i said this is really kind of a five act movie and each act is a full half hour like it's not it is this is not a quick movie. I mean you look at I don't know off the top of my head, what is Temple of Doom? Like two hours, one forty five, something like that. I mean, this is a full hour longer than that. Um and I think you do feel it. I didn't feel that way about the carts. I actually really liked the the the, the kind of uh the tuk tuks, the the cart 
thing i i like that as a change of pace with kind of how light they were like there's that one mm -hmm. moment where indy kind of they accidentally they kind of not crash but they like stop short and then kind of like s jump up a few steps and the cart gets like wedged and we were he was like trying to back it up and we were like just get out and move it and then he literally just puts his leg out and just pushes off from the thing because they're so like light and kind of agile uh and so i kind of liked the like quick turns and everything but the biggest thing for me that didn't really work for that was they're in these carts and they're they're bobbing and weaving the whole thing with helena's fiance or ex-fiance also chasing them it, it just felt so unnecessary to me with that whole thing i did think it was funny when you know she was like when Indy was like, I'm not going to die because of your gambling debts. And Teddy was like, well, mm -hmm. technically it's also uh, loan repayment. Te you know, I, I thought that was funny that he was like, well, it's not just all gambling debts. <laughs> um, but but I really, the whole thing with, and the character's name, uh, Rahim, who was her, you know, ex-fiance or whatever, chasing her. And I, I don't know, I thought, I thought there was parts that were charming and parts that were funny, but... Overall, I really thought that you could have cut out that entire plot of her ex-fiance chasing mm -hmm. them and, and all that. Because you're already dealing with Voler. Just focus on that. Chase him out to the harbor, oh, to yeah, wherever the their kinda, boat or yeah. whatever. Like, I, I feel like you really could have just tidied up this sequence a lot. Uh, like, a lot, uh, a lot. But I still enjoyed it. All right. Next thing is something that we kind of already touched on and already talked about. Um, the boat uh, and diving scene, you know, obviously after Morocco, they know that the next place that they want to go is they're going to go to Casablanca and then from there go, um, I guess, to where was it? Was it Spain that they were uh, meeting up with Antonio Banderas to get on the boats and everything? Like that. Um, so wherever, wherever that ended up being, um, basically to go to this shipwreck. Uh, so anything else? I know we talked already about the kind of boat sequence and on the boat but anything about the 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 actual diving sequence uh with the eels and everything that you want to you, you want to touch on uh no but i did actually let me google it now mm -hmm. i need to know when were flippers were invented oh there you go uh while he is googling when flippers were invented i'll say the diving scene itself uh although like i said i think that you can cut you can kind of cut out and sandwich together that entire part of the movie um, I thought the diving scene itself was refreshing to me. It's like kind of what's a thing, what's an element that you could bring to an Indiana Jones uh, kind of set piece that you haven't had before. Uh, and that that is kind of taking it underwater. I guess that's something we haven't really seen before uh, in terms of diving. And I, I kind of liked seeing that, seeing Indy in this like diving suit um, because it's really one of the last kind of adventurer things that he really hasn't done on screen um, so I did like it for that, but I, I do think, again, I think it was overly long and, and just a little too, uh, repetitive to be Yeah, honest. I'm seeing, I'm more seeing a lot of, uh, conflicting kind of dates. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go with, they were maybe a thing, but maybe not. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I just thought that was funny in that, in that moment, but yeah, no, nothing really to add. Um, I thought the, you know, I, I, like I said, I went to the bathroom during the whole, kind mm -hmm. of diving scene you know i saw them i saw that big that one eel like pop out right away and yeah and that was about it um you know but you know i thought it was fine you know nothing special again i feel like 
where that whole kind of stuff really is at its best is when, you know, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is walking around giving her, you know, talk and all that stuff. And then, like you said, it all gets kind of wiped out toward yeah. At the end. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of it's just kind of all kind of undone by him. Right. It's like, why? What is even the point of of this kind of fake out if he's just going to look through binoculars and be like, oh, they're going that way. Let's follow them. Right. Uh, and then also, uh, that leads us to our next thing I want to talk about, which is um, going to Sicily uh, to the kind of uh, cave, the the Echo Cave there. Um, to look for Archimedes tomb uh, and realizing on the side of it that they go, Whoa, what the heck? These, this Phoenix has propellers on it. He's wearing this modern day watch. Maybe he really did get the dial to work for him. Uh, and then before we get into the ending of this movie, which I'm sure is going to be the last thing we talk about, but probably the biggest thing we talk about. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this whole, what you were saying that just the dial overall just didn't work for you. Um, cause for me, I, I actually really did like the dial and I liked that, you know, in, um, in kingdom of the crystal skull, you know, you have ox the whole time being like, Oh, this it's, you know, these interdimensional beings and, you know, yeah. and, I don't know, like aliens. And it's like, no, 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 you got to understand it's this specific thing. I liked that they were like, they never once throughout the movie went, uh, Oh, the dial is a time machine. You right. know, they they never once say that, and they don't harp you over the head with, oh, the dial's a time machine. We got to keep this time machine away from the Nazis. Uh, you know, they don't say that at all. They just go, well, Archimedes designed this to detect fissures in time, um, which I thought was a very good way to kind of avoid that whole, like, time travel MacGuffin, because it's more like, listen, I don't know if this is real or if this is all just bullshit, but either way, we got to keep it out of, this guy's hands because if it is real or if there is something possible, who knows? And then they do live, leave you with a little bit of breadcrumbs of the, um, Toby Jones's notebook, having the date circled of, uh, you know, whatever it was June or, Oh, you know what I just realized? Oh no, it was, was it, was it the same date in the movie as the release date was, was the date June 30th, 1939. Or am I, I just like August? Okay, maybe it was. I just I just completely August. forgot, and then I was like, am I just thinking of the fact that that's when the movie came out? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did like that, and then I I because it because it really kept me guessing right up to the end of not really knowing what was gonna like literally not knowing what was gonna happen next. Like that is something that you could say for just about every other blockbuster, good or bad, that has come out this year is mm-hmm. you can almost always, by the time you're getting to the end of the movie, know how it's going to go. Even right. something like Guardians 3, um, maybe not really with Spider-Verse with the kind of reveal right at the end of that movie, um, but you still kind of had a general idea of where Spider-Verse was going to wrap up. This movie, to me, once we get out of Archimedes' tomb, I really had no idea where the hell we were going to be going with this next. Mm-hmm. So what what is your kind of meaning uh, about the dial didn't really work for you? Just because for me, I, I thought it, I, it worked very well. But When I say it, I don't know. I think the whole kind of, I don't think the idea of like what you said with like, oh, it's, you know, it detects fissures in time. And it's not, you know, they don't outright say it's a time machine. Mm-hmm. But I think in my mind the whole time I was like, well, it just, it's a time machine. <laughs> 
So I was like, I didn't really buy into the whole kind of uh, lore aspect of it, where he, mm-hmm. he, you know, you know, I'm sure Archimedes, you know, when he's building it, he's not like, oh, you know, I can go forward and, you know, I'm not, I can go forward back in time, you know, where he's he's saying like, oh, fissures, and he's using all these these other descriptions of, of mm-hmm. it. But in my head, I'm like, well, no, it's a time machine. Like, you, I guess you're just gonna go back in time with it. Um, I just, it just didn't. I don't. It just wasn't. It was, and it shouldn't be a step too far. Because again, we had aliens in the last one. Mm-hmm. But to me, that was more believable than this for some reason. And I, I can't like quite just pinpoint what it is. And I, I'm probably correct. You know, I'm probably mm-hmm. in the very, very small minority with that. Yeah. Because I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, this works way better than fucking aliens. Yeah, I mean, um, to me, I think this <laughs> definitely worked way better than the aliens. Right. But yeah, which is fair. Um, fair enough. Yeah. You know. And uh, maybe on a rewatch, I'll be like, no, you know what? This does work definitely better. Um, But just speaking of that, something else that I brought up, I think, I haven't brought up yet in this review, but something that I felt like this movie also was lacking was a sense of um, I didn't get enough uh, kind of search around, discovery, you know, kind of problem solve. Nothing to the extent where, like, you know, Last Crusade, we had, you know, we had going down into the cavern. We we had the, oh, the X marks the spot. You know, we had the yeah. the three, the three, uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, to get to the grail. Yeah, the three you know, all challenges. That stuff. I felt like this movie was lacking that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, I don't, do we really count the the melting of the, of the wax off the tablet? I don't know if that really Yeah, counts. that then, was like really the only one besides the end to be honest like i even like i i would i would count the uh the kind of water displacement thing yeah um which was that water or was that gas <laughs> it was water but he was saying that the the air was filled with methane gas got it okay. yeah okay so it was like that that was slowly killing them but yeah i right. think um to talk on that and we're going to talk about that when we get to the our our little grading of it um but, uh, yeah, I think the the kind of puzzles, like mm-hmm. the puzzle uh, yes, aspect, yes. once we get to um, Sicily mm-hmm. and they have to go to that cave and they're like, oh, we have to wait for the tourists to clear out and everything. Once they're there, yeah, that's where it all is. Like, that, it's all right, there yeah. in the back half of the movie, basically. Um, aside from the one thing of, like, oh, no, we have to melt the wax. Um, which again, I thought worked, but it was just, you know, that was really the only thing because then in New York, it's more, oh, we're on the run and we have to escape from New York Mm -hmm. in Morocco. It's definitely, it's just, oh, let's try to get the dial away from this guy. Oh, it didn't succeed. And then even retrieving the tablet thing from the shipwreck, Mm -hmm. which again, I'm not a huge fan of that in the movie. Um, even that, it's not like a puzzle. It's not like, oh, where is it in the shipwreck? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, we know exactly where it is, but but the trouble is we only have three minutes to get it. You know what I mean? Like that was more so the concern. It wasn't it right. wasn't about like using ingenuity to find it or anything. It was just like, I have a pretty good idea that this is where it is. Um, and again, I think a weaker element of the kind of diving and shipwreck thing was that they were like, yeah, they, half of the ship fell onto this part of the sea, but then really the rest of the ship fell all the way to the ocean floor. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you're telling me that in hundreds of years, nobody was like, hey, do you think we should go yeah. check the other side of that ship? 
like that. So that was a little far fetched for me as well. But um, let's just go for it and talk about the the ending ending of this movie. Uh, Voler has both halves of the dial now after they find Archimedes' tomb and see that he's wearing a watch and they go, oh my god, I guess Archimedes did travel to the future. Um, at the time, I was thinking, again, to the nature of I didn't really know what was going to happen next. I was thinking at the time, oh wow, maybe Archimedes was like, has traveled even further forward than like where this movie takes where place. Are, like, yeah. yeah, like maybe he's been to like the, like our modern day, um, and so then Voller has half of these, uh, both halves of this dial. Uh, he sets the coordinates. He thinks he's going to uh, 1939 to kill Hitler. Uh, but it turns out Continental Drift uh, had it wrong. And the date. So basically, I let, let's actually just go with this. It's a little kind of confusing. Too. I was just going to say, because <laughs> I have done a lot of thinking on this. And I think I yeah. pretty well. And again, I think this is a big trend that we've been seeing in blockbusters just this year is like i can make sense of things that happen like after the mm -hmm. fact when i think on it but i think a lot of these movies are like explaining the wrong things mm -hmm. uh you know what i mean if that makes sense like so the way that i took it was so to kind of jump to it when they do time travel it's not 1939 it's the year 214 bc uh, at the siege of Syracuse mm -hmm. uh, in ancient uh, Sicily under the Roman Empire. Um, so the way that I took it was when Toby Jones was writing down in his in his notebook 1939, I think that's the original date that Archimedes, uh, you know, did the math for. And then the whole continental drift thing, where he's like, oh, it's been moving, so it's going to be off. I think that in that moment, Indy thinks, oh, he thinks he's going back to 1939, but it might be like 1909 or something mm -hmm. like that. But then when you get back there and you realize, and again, I, I think foreshadowing and kind of cluing the audience in on something for later on is really strong in this movie with the magic trick, the card trick that Helena does to Indy where she pick, he picks the card and she goes, oh, it's the Seven of Diamonds or whatever. And he goes, oh, mm -hmm. how'd you do that? Um, and she says to him, it's a false choice. I make mm -hmm. you think that you're going to, you have freedom to pick, but really you pick the card that I want you to pick. That's exactly what Archimedes did with the dial. Because the dial is not a time machine. It only brings you back to Archimedes because Archimedes built it so that someone in the future could come back to save them. Mm -hmm. um, and then the whole thing of the dial of destiny is that it was always Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones was always there. So like, even when Raiders of the Lost Ark is happening, you know, it's literally his destiny that he has already gone back in time to, to see Archimedes. And you know what I mean? I liked, I mm -hmm. liked that that was the element of time travel they went with that. It wasn't, um, it wasn't like a branching timeline or the, you know, spaghetti multiverse from the flash or anything. Um, it was just the kind of bootstrap paradox of you traveled back in time to here because you were always going to travel back in time to here. So I, I kind of liked that, that at the end of the day, it wasn't just a machine that you could enter any date and then travel there. Mm -hmm. It was specifically calculated 
that Archimedes wanted somebody from his time, 1939, but then because of the continental drift and everything, it Archimedes was wrong. It didn't end up being 1939. It ended up being 1969. And so... It's basically that the dial only ever connects 1969 to 214 BC. And mm. again, I don't think that that is well explained explained in the movie. <laughs> but but that is to the best of my ability I think I think what is going on there is that Archimedes designed it, he just picked a random time in the future and it ended up being 1939. Um but then by the time all the tectonic plates had shifted and everything he ended up being off by 30 years. So it wasn't that they were going back to 1939. It was that 1969 was going back to 214 BC. Um, I think, so that that's kind of the technical aspects of it down, which I'm okay with having to think about it for a second. And then, ex and then I actually ended up liking what that meant and everything like that. Um, but talking a little bit more on the kind of emotional and kind of thematic thing, I loved the whole idea of Indy, this guy whose whole life is archaeology and research and history and loving history. He is now seeing it with his own eyes um, and being a part of it. And he, you know, think about the Ark. Belloc says, you know, we'll give you the girl, you know, blow up the Ark. You know, we don't care. He can't bring himself to do it. He doesn't blow up the Ark because he doesn't want to see that part of history erased with the grail he goes i can reach it dad you know he wants he wants the grail still uh and it's not until his dad tells him you know you got to let it go um same with temple of doom you know it's fortune glory fortune glory up until he makes the better decision mm -hmm. to say you know i'm gonna do the selfless thing and, and return these stones um to the village to make you know their lives better um i like that they kept that same thing with he goes just leave me here uh, and it's that same kind of thing. It's him saying, just leave me here. This is where I want to be is to me, the same thing of him saying, I can reach the cup. I can still get it. And then the companion there, the loved one that's going on this adventure with him, just like every other movie has to be the one to say, you know, either, you know, Indiana, let it go. Or, you know, no, there's people that care about you in the present. There's people. And then when he wakes up again, he goes, who's waiting for me? Who is here? And it's like, even if he didn't know that Marion was coming back into his life, he has Helena, he has Sala, he has people that love and care about him. Uh, you know, th if he had stayed there, they would have never, ever seen him again. Uh, and so I, I liked the fact that Helena was the one that ended up having to literally knock him out because he wasn't going to come otherwise. Um, because it was just kind of that same stubborn Indiana Jones uh, where he, you know, um, he kind of can't get out of his own way, you know, because he's so attached to history. He's literally willing to die in pursuit of getting it. Um, yeah. And it's always that loved one that has to come in to kind of to kind of pull him back from the abyss. Um, so I really like the way that the movie wrapped up. And then obviously coming back and waking up in the present um, with Marion coming back in and everything. I, I really, really like the ending of the movie. But what were your overall thoughts on the ending of the movie? Uh, yeah, I mean, I told you, I said, if he would have stayed, I understood the, I understood why he wanted to stay, but I was like, yeah. if he would have stayed, I probably would have walked out. Cause I just feel like <laughs> if you would have ended the movie with him being, you know, during that time, not let, nonetheless, the, the changing of history, 
you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. that is brought up, you know, uh, just a few minutes later. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I liked the ending. I liked the, you know, bringing back Marion. I knew, you know, it wasn't really a surprise for me because I knew she was in it. I saw mm-hmm. it on IMDb, so I knew she was showing up at some point. Um, so that was good to see. I liked their kind of reconnection, you know, the whole kind of, you know, everybody leaving the room, you know, oh, let's go get ice cream. Oh, she just brought some. Yeah, but there's better. We can go Yeah, let's just go. Um, so I thought that was all good, you know. I thought it was a little, I don't know, I was expecting maybe, and maybe it's just like you're not supposed to kind of see that, but I was expecting more of a conversation to be seen um, mm. that wasn't. Um, but overall, I'd say I, you know, I enjoy. I, I, I was satisfied with the ending. Pro, I would say. Um, but, yeah, if you would have, if you would have, if you would have fucking stayed, <laughs> I would have been like, "What are we doing?" Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm just I, very glad that it happened. <laughs> and I think too, it it really is that that part of it. That the more I think about it, the happier I am with the ending, because, like I said. I don't know about you. I mean, did you feel that way that you that you or did you feel like you knew like where this was going? I mean, obviously, there's really no way to know that they went back. Yeah, there's really no way to know. And I like, too, that it's like Voller sees like the hill for like half a second and he's like, ah, it's 1939 Sicily. And then the clouds part a little bit more and you see like the Targaryen fleet. Like, yeah, I was like, like, is that the Fire Nation down there? Yeah, exactly. Like (laughs) Like, you see it. You see the the fucking part of my french the holy roman empire like like that's a little jarring to be like oh my god um and again like i said earlier with with the foreshadowing with the magic trick and on uh his tomb and everything another one is both the romans and the uh i believe it's the romans and the greeks at that time or the romans and the Mm -hmm. um the sicilians i'm not sure how that's broken down but um the fact that both sides were like oh they have a dragon and then in the middle of the movie, in the market at Sicily, you see there's like a little puppet show. I don't know if you remember this. There's like a puppet show that you see for like a minute. And it's a mm-hmm. dragon blowing fire onto a Roman soldier. Oh, so yeah. it's like it's kind of showing you that throughout the entire movie that this was always how things went. That they that mm-hmm. Indy always traveled back in time. That a plane was always present at that right. battle. Um, and so I, I thought that was really, really cool is that it's, it, this movie didn't do a, oh, we've introduced time travel. So now time travel is going to affect everything else. It's, it's much more the linear non-multiverse time travel explanation where it's just, no, actually, uh, if Indiana Jones from Raiders of the Lost Ark were to have found Archimedes tomb back then, Mm -hmm. he still would have found the wristwatch because he always was going to go back to Archimedes like that always was going to happen and Archimedes even says that to him he says you were always meant to come here and that's that's what really gets you with the emotions is is when Indy starts crying when Archimedes says that to him that you were always destined to come here um and so I think too just the name of the movie literally Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny I think works so well because it's literally his destiny to always come back in time always influence events like this uh and i just thought that worked really really well um but anything else you want to touch on with the movie before we go into um kind of this report card thing uh but Um, i think we 
pretty well touched on everything, unless there's stuff that I am. Uh, no, forgetting. I think. Yeah, I think we're we're all good on that front. All right, so uh, guys, first of all, let us know. Are you are you still with us on this? I know this has been kind of a a long rambling thing, but in my opinion, even though I liked this movie a lot, I think it is kind of a longer rambling blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it is fitting. But we're gonna close out here um, with a little fun thing, uh, and that is uh, this channel, Star Wars Explained. It had, for this past week, week and a half, has turned into Indiana Jones Explained. Um, and Alex and Molly Damon over there have been doing a ton of awesome Indiana Jones videos. And so he did this thing called uh, the Indiana Jones Report Card. Uh, and I wanted, I wanted to give our try at that uh, just to see kind of where we fell on it. Um, so this is going to be out of a overall score of 50. And you'll see what we mean uh, as we go. Um, so let's go ahead and launch right into this. Now, do you want to go uh, just line by line and we'll give our score per thing uh yeah that's fine okay so just covering dial of destiny here so the first one that he had was uh basically these are all tropes or necessary items to be an indiana jones movie uh and the first one that he had uh i don't know about you but i had no choice but to give this a zero uh and that is the logo fade of the paramount logo Mm -hmm. uh it's the only indiana jones movie yeah it's the only indiana jones movie that does not do that Right. Uh, I know some people were thinking, um, obviously, that the Paramount logo would fade into something. Although other people were thinking, well, maybe since it's Disney now, maybe the Disney castle would fade into the castle mm. at the beginning of the movie. Neither of that happened. Nope. So uh, for that one, I gave it a zero. What about uh, you? Yeah, I think I, I did one to five, so I gave it a one. Okay, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll change it to a one, too, because that's, spoiler, that's my only zero on here. Um so I give that a one. So the prologue overall next, uh, I gave that yeah. a four out of five. Okay. I gave it a three. Okay. Just because, you know, de-aging and it's a little long. It's long. Yeah. Too long. <laughs> um, <clears throat> professor Jones. So just overall, how much is the college professor element uh, relevant to the story? How does it appear? Is there awesome moments? I thought that we got some great Professor Jones in this with uh, kind of a different Professor Jones looking back at Raiders, how, you know, the the love you, uh, I love you on the on the girl's eyes and everything. Like, he went from being the professor that everybody was chasing after to now he's the old guy that, you know, nobody wants to listen to right. anymore, essentially. Yeah. Um, so I gave that a four out of five just because I, I really liked uh, how much we got out of him. Uh, I'm with you on that. I also gave it a four out of five. Uh, really liked, every, agree with everything you said. Um, I liked how, even though his class is kind of, uh, you know, obviously very much tuned out. Um, yeah. When uh, Helena is answering his questions, he's very excited. At the yeah. He kind of lights up. Yeah. Just, he's yeah, like, oh my so, god, somebody knows. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I do um, like so the yeah. the exacerbated the guys. This is on the final. On the like, it, come on! I've talked like how many times are we going over Having this? Flashbacks to to college. Yeah. Um. All right. Next one up here is uh the map slash globe trotting, uh of the adventure. I gave this one. I don't know about you. I gave this one a five out of five. I think this is easily the Indiana Jones movie with the most locations, mm-hmm. uh, and the most kind of overall globe trotting element. Because I think besides this, I would say. Um, 
I would say Last Crusade because you get Berlin, you get uh, Egypt, you get a couple of these different places. But this one, I mean, you get New York City, you get uh, London, you get uh, you get um, Berlin with the train, you get uh, you know Casablanca, Morocco, South America. Um, just tons and tons of places explored in this movie. So I give that a five out of five for the globe trotting uh, adventure aspect. Uh, yeah, I give it a four. Um, maybe just to knock it on the whole kind of middle of the ocean sea type one. Where I was yeah, like, that's fair. Why you know? <laughs> yeah, um, that one definitely has uh, some influence uh, yeah. in one of the ones coming up here. Uh, next one. Puzzles slash booby traps. I know we kind of touched on this in our in our actual review portion. Um, I'll go to you first. What did you give this uh, out of five for puzzles slash booby traps? I gave traps? this a one because oh, okay. of everything I said. It was just kind of like, you know, we got a, f- a few tiny ones, but, you know, eh, nothing, nothing special in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I gave this one a two okay. uh, only yeah. because I think – it gave me the right amount of puzzles and booby traps for like the last 45 minutes of the movie. Right. So that earned it. It's one. And then for me, you know, the, uh, the kind of just explaining of stuff and the, um, what am I trying to say? The kind of explaining of stuff. And then also the whole, uh, melting the wax and wood thing to, you know, to get the gold disc that was inside that worked enough for me. So I gave that a two, uh, a two out of five. Next one here, creepy crawlies. So obviously you're talking monkey brains in Temple of Doom. You're talking uh, snakes in Raiders. You're talking, you know, all, all these different things. Uh, the monkeys again in uh, actual monkeys in uh, Crystal Skull. Uh, where were you at with the creepy crawlies on this out of five? Uh, I had it at a three, but I think I might go down to a two just because, you know, we had those bugs and then I guess the eels count. Yeah. So I would say the eels count. So I, um, I gave it a two out of five. Yeah. So I thought you really got, yeah, you really got the eels and you got the, um, bugs in that Mm. one part of the cave where all the bugs were falling on them and they were just like freaking out. Right. Um, so I thought that that was good. Uh, so I gave that a two out of five for creepy crawlies, uh, just cause there wasn't, you know, there wasn't snakes. There wasn't a lot of these more exotic things. Um, but I do think there was still some decent ones. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up here, giant henchman. Uh, I gave this one a four out of five. I don't think, uh, there is a, you know, something as good as the shirtless, uh, giant Nazi in the plane sequence, but I thought the giant henchman that was in this, I thought he had some decent moments, some fun stuff, punching Indy. Um, and I think especially if you're comparing it to the rest of the franchise, I think it's the best at having a giant henchman. Uh, and just, just some of the funnier moments, too, where he's trying to cross the wooden bridge and he's too heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then his death uh, with, with the way that Teddy takes him out, yeah. I thought was really, really effective. Uh, so for me, I think it's easily the the second best giant henchman uh, of the franchise. So I gave it a four out of five. What about you? Um, I'll go two. Okay. Uh, wasn't really a fan of him. Uh, I'll be honest. Some points I thought it looked like he had uh, anchor arms on. <laughs> Where I was like, his arms don't almost don't look real sometimes yeah. for some reason. Um, you know, I like the way he was kind of taken out. Again, 
and I'll just bring it up real quick here. That bridge in the cave, no sense. Makes absolutely no sense. We see it break, and then later they carry him out on the same bridge. Like, it's fine. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know when they repaired it. Uh, and then the other thing, the tomb has two entrances, apparently, everybody. Not one, but they would lead you to believe it's one, but it's actually two. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. There was no – I wanted a – you know, I wanted a big, like – yeah, big fight. There was you wanted him to heaven. to murder an eighty year old man with his with his fists. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I get. I totally get that. I totally get that. I think it is a little uh, unfair, I guess, or whatever you want to say that you know, Indy or Harrison really is just so old he just can't do that hand to hand combat anymore. But yeah, I so mean, yeah. And so for me, I just thought uh, <laughs> it was worth it enough. Um, to have the giant henchman at, uh, at four out of five for me. Uh, car and vehicle chases. Again, I gave this a four out of five only mm. because I think that this is easily the second most and the second best of vehicle chases uh, for, since Last Crusade. Because Last Crusade, you got boats, you got motorcycles, you got sidecars, you got cars, you got a train. You know, you have all this you stuff like in Last Crusade. The uh, I thought it was okay. I thought it was like uh, a, I gave a little it a, less splits for me. I gave it a three. Okay. Um, I'm pretty much, I'd say I'm probably pretty close to you. I didn't think it was as good. It wasn't as good as Crusade or Temple of Doom with the uh, That's cars. true, the mine carts. I didn't even, the mine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I true. thought it was it was serviceable. Again, just a little too long. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's, again, it's also clear. Harrison Ford, 80 years old. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now, the next one up here is Supernatural Insanity. So just the level of insane that the supernatural elements go here. I don't know how much more insane you can get than to- than literal time travel because aliens might exist. Um, but uh, I, I went five out of five because that we just got straight up time travel 2,000 yeah. years plus now, uh, back it, in now, the past. Would me saying five, does that mean it's like good or does that mean it's – Yeah, like- I would say it's it's good. Well, then I go like two because like I just didn't buy it. But again, that's, all right, that's fair. Again, it's hard. But this is more so we, the insanity we, of it than the believability. Then okay, insanity is like a four probably. Okay, yeah. Because you know yeah. we're we're going into this big battle and we think it's you know Germany in 1930 or whatever it is, but it's actually whatever BC. Yeah, and I also <laughs> think something we didn't really touch on in the main part too is just like the kind of like nerdy like history buff coolness where it was just like nazis and roman centurions and indiana jones Mm -hmm. like all mixed together like nazis and roman soldiers is just like only in indiana jones could that somehow happen um and i think for me at least i think they pulled it off well uh all right last one here indy doesn't get the treasure so obviously we all know every indiana jones movie it's not about the MacGuffin. It's about the lesson learned along the way and everything like that. For this one, I gave it a four out of five um, because I think, to a certain extent, I think he does get the treasure. He gets to meet Archimedes. He gets to see all of this stuff. But then again, at the same time, it's more so that the experience of going to the past was the relic of this movie and the dial is just more like the kind of tool to get you there. Um, unlike the other movies, you know, because basically from the start of the movie, you know, Indy already has half the dial. Um, so I, I think to a certain extent, I think he does get the treasure, but I think 
the fact of how big an effort it was to to convince him to give up this treasure uh, and what it meant for him. And the fact that at the end of the day, he really couldn't, but he had to, um, I think bumps it a little higher up. So I, I give that four out of five. Uh, yeah, you bumped me up to a three on that. Uh, I do agree. You know, it was more the the idea of traveling to that time, meeting Archimedes, you know, living what you've been studying mm-hmm. for such a long time, your entire life. Um, and then, you know, not getting the treasure in the sense of the dial, but you know, yeah. kind of reconnecting with those you may have uh, lost previously. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I go three on that. Yeah, I I uh, I agree. Um, for me, it was a little bit higher at the four, but mm-hmm. I I think it was a really emotional part of the movie to be able to give that up. Um, so adding that all up for me, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And winds up at a, if my math is correct, it's either 35 or 36, but I believe it's 36. Uh, 36 out of 50. Um, so I have a feeling that that is higher than yours. Uh, where are you at out of 50 for Dial of uh, Sorry, what was yours? Mine was 36. Mine's 24. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now here's the interesting question. So I gave mine, I gave it 36 out of 50. You gave it 24 out of 50. Mm-hmm. Um, but where do you think it stacks up to the other films in the franchise? Where would you put this? We don't have to go through and rank them all again. But where would you put this um, on your list? My ranking of all the other movies? Yeah. Um, so I already did that. It is, at, again... Subject to change. I rewatch. I could have completely different, not completely different mm-hmm. opinion, maybe, but definitely be persuaded. Uh, right now, it's at the end. Again, I don't know what it is. Crystal Skull just, just, and again, remember I said last week is I think it part of it might be the whole kind of. I went to go see it with my dad in the theater. It's the first one I saw in the theater. You know all that stuff that mm-hmm. I think definitely helps it. Yeah. Um, and upon rewatch, I I did say very very goofy. You know, very goofy. Um, Definitely. So, when this comes to Disney Plus at some point, I will be very interested to see where I stand. But as of right now, it's it's last in my list. Well, there you go. Uh, for me, it is very much not last in my list. Um, for me, it's it's dead center of the pack. It mm-hmm. it is number three. Um, I think. Oh, the temple. Well, for me, if you remember my ranking, Temple was under Crystal oh, Skull last, last right, time yeah, I had right, it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and again, maybe maybe if uh, next time, you know, in a year and a half from now, when they're all on Disney Plus and I just want to sit down and over a weekend, you know, I'll watch all five together, I might have a totally mm-hmm. different take on watching them all together like that. Um, but for me, I think it hit on a lot more of the Indiana Jones adventure stuff that I like um, than Crystal Skull and then Temple of Dune temple of doom did um i just think that there's more to enjoy for me personally uh in this and i really liked the kind of older indiana jones i think that they handled the whole older indiana jones a lot more uh a lot more directly in this film than they did in crystal skull because crystal skull Mm -hmm. was like 55 year old indiana jones so it's like Mm -hmm. he's not necessarily you know in like insanely old in crystal skull Uh, as he's supposed to be in this one you know he's supposed to be like 70 um so but yeah i would put it right right at number three for me uh so the last thing i will ask you 
Has this changed your star rating at all? Are you anywhere up from a two out of five? Um, I think you don't have to be. You can. I don't think so because I think I feel like for every like positive thing that maybe you brought up, I would be like, "Oh yeah," but I think for more the negatives, more outweigh the positives. Okay, I I think that's totally fair. I think for me, I think, I think honestly the opposite went, and I think, uh, you brought up some more negatives that I I don't I can't really think of a a great argument for. So, Mm. for me, it is still four out of five, just because I really did enjoy myself and I really did enjoy a lot of what this movie was doing. But um, I think that 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 one keeping it from a five, uh, Mm -hmm. is a pretty big one. I, I I think there's a there's a lot of stuff in here. That I, it's really, to me, the thing I just keep coming back to is the runtime. I think it's just so overpacked and it's so overcrowded. Um, and stuff to me that, you know, again, I'm not going to go through and edit the movie, you know, perfectly down or anything like that. I'll leave that to, like, Topher Grace one day. But, um, you know, I think with a judicious edit, I think you could really make um, a fantastic two-hour two and four-minute movie out of this instead of two and a two thirty six or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, guys, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, hopefully you are seeing this on Tuesday. That is the plan. Uh, I got some editing to do and everything, but, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, let us know. What did you guys think of Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny? Where does it fall on your overall rankings? Um, let us know, do you like the whole, uh, report card thing that, uh, what came over from Star Wars Explained? Also, go check out that video on Star Wars Explained. It's literally called Indiana Jones Report Card. Uh, it's a very cool, uh, video. Um, but yeah, that will do it for me, guys. Thank you guys so much for joining us again. Let us know your thoughts on the fifth Indiana Jones movie down below. And until then, uh, that'll do it for me. I've been one of your hosts, Sean Monk. Another host, TJ Cornwell. Thank you for watching. Uh, let us know what you thought about the movie in the comments below. Please like, comment, subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Boom.